This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. America's team. Well, this is America's team right here. 
the greatest team in the United States of America, the greatest team in the world today, the Midnight Express, and we'll stop at nothing, we'll quit at nothing, we'll do anything to prove to everybody that we're the best there is, darling. So you just remember that, Dusty, and like I said, please, please somebody send that message. Somebody get on the phone right now and call. Place to be Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 43 of NWA Crock and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and yes, I am back. But unfortunately, someone is not here tonight. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, tonight, we finally get to close out the month of April, which honestly, guys, it seems like it's April's been going on for the last six months. It's just, I think this is the absolute busiest month we've had in terms of Crockett Wrestling. I can tell you for a fact, um, from a note standpoint and the amount of work trying to track stuff down this month has been this month almost killed me, which it did. That's probably why I was out sick uh, on the last episode. But anyway, um, really appreciate you guys closing out the Crockett Cup. I think um, you guys did a spectacular job in my absence. and I really appreciate um, Colm kind of leading that pack. And unfortunately, Colm's not uh, here with us tonight. Um, you know, kind of like with me, real life kind of takes place sometimes. And I feel like you know, as we do this pod, we're becoming more like the Freebirds than the Four Horsemen because it feels like we can never get the four of us together. But hopefully, on our next episode, um, or not our next episode, but when we start our May watch, um, we could have all four of us. So before we start talking about the final part of May, or I'm sorry, final part of April, let me introduce my co-host. So first, Dr. G, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Glad to uh, to uh, hear you back. I know it was a little rough month last month, but uh, you sound good and it's all, all good. And uh, I'll tell you, we, uh, the Crockett Cup, you know, that's the first time I think, you know, ever that I really went that in depth with it. I mean, I remember it from when I was younger, but uh, it was kind of cool to, to see how it all came together and see how the Road Warriors actually did it. Um, so um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, like you said, April, I feel like we've been on April for like forever. But uh, it was a, it was an action-packed month, so you had no choice but to do it. But um, no, I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing where this goes and where all these storylines start, uh, you know, you know peaking for the summertime in uh, in 1986. Absolutely, and it feels like I mean, as we we're going to talk about it tonight, but it almost feels like like this last part of April, like really, we're talking about one you know, one day in April, like I guess 426 is the main day we're talking about here. Feels like they totally reset everything after the Crockett Cup because a lot of shit happens to your point to get us into the summer. But um, yeah, it's going to be great to talk about. So I'm excited for that. So, um, and our, of course, uh, Scott Shiflett, how are you tonight? April showers bring May flowers, fellas. And that's what I think we're going to have here. April has went on for so long, but it's been such great content. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Sean, for curating this. And it's just been it's just been amazing. And we, you know, I'm doing great, by the way. But it like oh, what we I'm talk sorry. about the next two episodes is just going to be awesome. 
Yeah. So tonight we're so tonight we're going to talk about the last part of April on our next episode. Um, we're going to start kind of something new to kind of bridge the gap between the months that um, I thought was an interesting thing. It's kind of like what we did during the summer when the peacock went away. Um, so it's a different twist on that. So we'll talk about that at the end of this episode, but set that up for our next episode. So anyway, are you guys ready to jump into the last part of April 86? Yes. All right. So first up, we'll do the roll call of champions. Um, not much has changed. Uh, your world champions are Flair, U.S. champions Magnum TA, tag team champions Midnight Express. Six man are the Russians. Your mid-Atlantic champion, Black Bart, is off somewhere. I don't know where. The, I mean, he's just kind of there. Uh, national champion, Tully Blanchard. Our junior heavyweight champion, Denny Brown, who I really didn't understand why he wasn't in the Crockett Cup. But anyway, we haven't seen Denny Brown in a while. And your TV champion is Arn Anderson. So before we get to 426, we are going to make one last pit stop on April the 20th, which was the day after the Crockett Cup. And we're going back to Wrestle Rock 86. And unfortunately, there is one more member of Crockett who wrestled on that show that um, we have to talk about the match. And for full disclosure, I feel like this might be why Colin McDougall has chosen not to join us tonight. But anyway, it's Wahoo McDaniel taking on uh, Colonel De Beers um, in the AWA Wrestle Rock. Now, I know we talked a lot about the great tag team matches that were there as part of our spotlight. Um, some real bangers that came out of that show as far as the tag team scene. But I don't think this one will be the same. So, again, we have Wahoo McDaniel versus uh, Colonel De Beers. So, first off, Wahoo, as I said, is fresh off his unimpressive Crockett Cup showing. Uh, Gary Michael Capetta introduces some guy who apparently is a top horse breeder that no one cared about at all, and he is the ring announcer. Um, De Beers obviously is booed at his way to the ring. Wahoo gets a nice applause. Um, De Beers kind of reminds me, and Scott, you guys might both uh, know this reference, reminds me of kind of like the Great Value Truth Commission uh, during the Attitude Area. <laughs> he's, he looks very, very, he looks like the Truth Commission. Um, yeah, Rod, he kind of looks like the Commandant. A little bit, yeah. So Rod Trongard um, is uh, is on commentary. He says he has no. He says De Beers has no times for ni- minorities. As someone in the crowd uh, really gets inappropriate and mocks Wahoo with Indian calls, which was really inappropriate. Uh, Wahoo uh, starts the match. Actually, did some theatrics at a wrist lock spot, and he also did some mat wrestling. Then it went on to what you would probably expect: a bunch of chops and punches between the b- both. Uh, the guy in the crowd, there's a guy in the crowd who went nuts beating his friends with a foam finger. Uh, while there's another guy in a wheelchair in the crowd, looked like he was dying watching this match. I don't know if you guys caught those camera shots, but they were pretty amazing. Uh, Wahoo takes a pretty nasty throw out of the ring. Um, I thought Wahoo showed pretty good energy for a few minutes, um, for Wahoo at least. Um, De Beers takes several falls at the floor spots, and suddenly he gets thrown over the top rope. And just like a sudden DQ out of like nowhere, like he gets thrown over the top, which... Looked really slow and prodding, and Wahoo gets DQ'd. Uh, really sudden and really dumb. I thought this match was really stupid. Um, they fight in the crowd afterwards. Um, there was a fan who actually in the crowd was given De Beers shit, which I thought was a really great way to end it. But I only went a quarter star on this. Um, I thought maybe we could kind of get a decent match out of this, but this was five minutes of just, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Five minutes of what we would expect out of Wahoo at this point, and I'm probably being kind on a quarter star. So, Dr. G, I'll go to you first. What did you think of this match? You know, I did the same thing. I went a quarter star. I mean, yeah, you, you see Wahoo and the Bears, but you figured at least maybe there would even be a decent brawl out of this where you can maybe get a star or a star and a half out of it. But I, I, there was no heat. There was no... I, I don't know. I, sometimes the AWA presentation, especially now that we're going back and watching some of the stuff, 
they really sucked. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> they, 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 they definitely had their fair share of suck. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I I guess maybe for that, maybe that area, people like that stuff. And maybe, you know, maybe sometimes people thought the old WWF was kind of boring. Like, I don't know, just that old school mentality. And that's why Vern wound up going under. It's just, I don't know, just the presentation of it. Um, I don't know, just the announcers are horrible. I just I can't I could just couldn't get into into this match at all. So it's just there's really not much to say. I mean, there's just it was at least if you could have had a decent brawl, you could have you know at least been somewhat entertained. But that the brawl wasn't even. And then just throwing him over the top rope and okay disqualification. It was like I don't know. I just yeah. There's only thing you can say about this match is it sucked. <laughs> That's it's what a, I'll say. We'll leave it. And I'm probably being kind, giving it a quarter star, to be honest. Oh, I know I am for sure. Uh, Scott, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, I went dud. Um, That's okay. Just, just <laughs> it, it was just bad. Like, um, you know, like the crap ending. You know, I will say I do have a note here that says De Beers is pasty as shit. So, <laughs> um, you know, and McDaniel was like body, sh- like. Like the nice thing that McDaniel did was he body slammed De Beers. And then after the match, like that's when like Wahoo was like chopping the hell out of De Beers. But like where was that at during the match? This was just a nothing match. Um, my first time seeing De Beers, and I hope I never see him again. Well, you never know. As we do the spotlight pieces, as we go through the '86 stuff, you might see more of him. But you might see better Matt. He actually, um, he actually does have a pretty good feud with Jimmy Snuka, believe it or not, Scott. In 86. So you might see that, but we'll try to avoid him with Wahoo ever, ever again. So, all right. So we're off to a really crappy start with that match. So we're going to jump right into, uh, we're going to go into Crockett, uh, April 26th. This is uh, the date we're going to cover today. A lot goes on. Um, and we're going to go to Mid Atlantic. Now, some the cool thing about Mid Atlantic or worldwide, sometimes they have these random matches that you don't see on Saturday night that something happens, or even with like jobbers, like tonight. Like when I saw this in Mid Atlantic, I always watch these matches with these jobbers that might be a little bit more in terms of what they give in the ring. And this one's with Rocky Kernodal versus Ivan Koloff. And, you know, Kernodal, you know, he's obviously Don Kernodal's brother. I think the we talked about him probably, we talked in depth a little bit um, when we did, talked about Star K84, where he teamed up only against the Koloffs. But um, yeah, so it's Ivan Koloff versus Rocky Kernodal from Mid Atlantic 426. So we'll start, we'll kick it off. So Ivan's out with Nikita, and actually we have Khrushchev back, and he's braced up, and he's out on crutches standing at ringside. So our first, I think, look at Khrushchev um, since that injury that he sustained, um, I think, in that match against Sam Houston we talked about sometimes back. Um, the the, the uh, announcers say he will be back in action shortly. Um, so the match goes outside. Kernodal throws Ivan into the ring post, and Rocky works his arm. Uh, the crowd, as always, goes nuts as there's multiple hammerlock slams on his arm. Um, it doesn't last long as Rocky gets tossed outside. Um, Nikita stands outside with his arms folded, standing at, staring at him like he wants to kill him. Uh, Kernodal ends up getting control again with a sunset flip and goes back to the arm. Um, announcers are still selling the feud between the Road Warriors and the Russians. Um, and Nikita is at, uh, in his street clothes as he apparently is selling that. He's not doing that. He's not going to wrestle angle that he had talked about until he gets a TV shot at TA. So I thought that was a nice little twist. Um, I like Kernodal's arm work on Ivan. I, I also enjoy um, Ivan when he's on a defense. Kernodal gets a suplex and a drop kick after a gut headbutt from Ivan. Then a monkey flip and a slam. Kernodal gets lots of shine in this match and actually controlled most of it. Um, he hits a nice power slam and a body press for the top rope. 
Match ends when he misses a roll-up, and Ivan rebounds with a nice sickle for the three-count. Um, after the match, the Russians beat up Rocky, including Nikita hitting a sickle as well. Magnum TA runs in, and we have a hot brawl with him and Nikita. Um, Crusher hits TA with his crutch, and then until Houston, uh, Nelson Royal, Wahoo, and Robbie Coltrane, um, who I don't think we'd ever see on this uh, show again, comes running out. Um, TA is really busted open bad, and he's carried out. Man, guys, this this was good shit. I thought the match was pretty good. I thought the angle was pretty good afterwards. And this is one of those like semi-gem, you know, hidden, you know, just syndicated show matches that if you don't really find it, you know, you, you might not catch it. So I thought it was really good. And this went 13 minutes. So I thought the match and the angle together, I actually went two and three quarter stars on this. I like this quite a bit. Scott, what did you think? I really like this too, Sean. And I went two and three quarters. Mm-hmm. You that monkey flip that Cornodo hit was awesome. Like I was yep. shocked at how much I was getting into this match. I love like the arm and shoulder work that mm-hmm. um that Ivan got worked over on. And Rocky even hit a nice shoulder breaker. Like I, I really thought that Cornodo, who by the way, looks like Terry Taylor. Why didn't anyone tell me this? Like a um, like a like a, a more uh act like a more excitable version of Terry Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what the hell? I was like, this is labeled wrong. This is Terry Taylor when I first started walking <laughs> watching. But um, no, and like I liked how um, Rocky, like you know, he he missed the move, and then Ivan just hit the sickle, and it was over because like Ivan, like you said, was on the defensive most of this match, and he. You know, I was shocked at how much he was getting worked over because this seems like a lot because they're still trying to keep the coal off strong with everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the post-match. Like like you said, we saw Crusher out there, and he's the one that's hitting Magnum with his uh, crutch. Also, you can probably tell that Crusher should probably should not have been out there because he was walking gingerly as hell when mm-hmm. everyone came over to him. It's like, please do not hit this man. He just yep. broke everything. So, um, But I, I love the added thing of magnum being carried out by the baby faces this is something that i think crockett and um early wcw does very well where you believe that all baby faces are friends and the heels are dastardly assholes that work together it's something that um aw sort of does but it's only if they're in their faction and wwe doesn't do it all so it's something that i like it's just like all the baby faces like sorry one off tangent but when i was younger I used to think that Sting, Lex Luger, and the Steiner brothers were all best friends. That's why they all worked together. And like, so that was imprinted in my mind at a young age. So I, I think it does the same for other fans as well. Yeah, that, that that's called kayfabe at its best. Something that's missing in today's wrestling, but I think people are smarter than that than we were in the 80s because we, we were kind of, you know. <laughs> but yeah, this is really great. Uh, this is pretty cool too. Like I said, 13-minute match and angle, post-angle, which amazing. Dr. G, what did you think of this? You know, I went two and a half stars, so I guess we're all around the same same mm-hmm. level here. I, you know, I I I didn't expect much for it when I saw saw it. You know, when I saw Rocky Cornardo versus, um, you know, Ivan Cole, I was like, yeah, hey, what are we gonna get here? And it actually surprised me, and I was surprised how much of a beating, like Scott was saying, that Ivan took because, um, the Russians were really set up to be like the Road Warriors, like you know, like kind of invincible for a little while. So um, that was nice to see. And and I love I love all that post-match stuff. And I agree with you, Scott, when it comes to that stuff, I did. I was the same way, especially even when I was a kid, like, oh, you know, all the all the good guys, as we used to call them, you know, they were all best friends and everything. And they'd all come and help each other. And you don't you're right. You don't see a lot of that today. Um, so you would see like just guys you would never think, even even though they were faces that would come out and just 
give a hand to one of the other stars. So it was, I don't know, it was just, I missed that too. I, I, I guess, mm-hmm. I don't know where, we'll never have that back again, but it's just, it was just, it's just fun to see that. And, and the crowds just are so hot. It's so like, you can't even copy that nowadays. Like they're going nuts for Ivan and Kernodal. It's like, I, I don't want to compare. I mean, this is probably extreme, but they get a guy. These mid Atlantic guys get like Austin level pots in these little buildings. It's kind of ridiculous. It's sick. It's, it's really crazy. It, no, no, you're you're not wrong in saying that. I mean, I'm I'm gonna probably say that for a lot of these matches, some of these guys. I mean, just the crowd, and it really makes it. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It really makes it seem bigger than life. Like like they're in a big building, like they're in a Madison Square Garden. And it brings excitement to the match. So when you're watching it, and especially if you do have the announcing with it, which I know some some matches, you know, whatever, where, wherever you find it, you can't, mm-hmm. just adds to it. I mean, even it doesn't matter how good or bad the announcers were. And, boy, when you listen to some, you know, I know people, David Crockett gets shit on. But, boy, I tell you, you go to these, when you listen to AWA and even, mm-hmm. even World Class, that stuff is like Bush League to me compared to, I mean, even though David was kind of out there, you know, but that's that was part of his his um his character mm-hmm. um i i don't know i just i i think the whole package here i mean no is this a five-star match of course it's not but just giving it two and a half stars because i would to me anything over two stars that means you're entertained at some point i mean yeah. it's you know five stars is a level you know you don't if you gave five stars to everything then why even have that level you know the, the five stars you got to go way above and beyond to get to that Yep. And you know what else is, you know what else I find interesting? We have been talking about Nikita and TA. This build has been going on since January and we have watched a lot of matches between the two, man. I wish the matches were as good as the angles that they do for, because the angles getting into it are amazing. It's it's so disappointing for me, at least at this point, that the matches haven't matched the greatness of the angles that they've built to. It's uh, hopefully that changes as we get into the summer, but yeah, this is a good one. So I would go out of your way if you're listening um, I would definitely go out of way to check this out. This is on Mid-Atlantic 426 on the Peacock Network. Really cool, neat little uh, hidden gem and a hell of an after match. So really good stuff, or after angles, so good stuff. All right, so we are going to move over to Saturday night, and we will spend the rest of this show primarily talking about that. So really big, like, this This is a very, very, um, what I want to say, angle-heavy episode. And what's amazing is I think, like, the majority of the angles that you hear about in this show tonight actually took place like literally the day the sunday after the same day that wrestle rock took place a lot of these things happened the day after so it's almost like a reset on so many levels to get ready for may okay crockett cuts out of the way now we're gonna reset and it's crazy the amount of stuff so we're gonna go right into it saturday night 426 so one note the show opens with the announcers discussing baby doll being severely injured by uh jim Cornette and the midnight express and they do talk about the road warriors winning the cup and then they talk about an injury to Ricky Morton. So, like I said, these are three like things <coughs> that have literally happened. The Crockett Cup was literally just a week ago. So we're going to start off with our first promo tonight. It's um, it's uh, it's going to be Valiant Jones Army and uh, that whole deal. So the announcers discuss how Paul Jones and his army are happy about a lock of hair that they got off of Valiant. Uh, and then Watley is trying to take care from all his victims at this point. Then they go to a match that Watley wins against George South, and he and Jones um, go in and start cutting uh, George South's hair. Valiant comes in and hits Watley, but then Baron comes in and slow prodding, gets in and gets him down, and all three beat up Jimmy and uh, go to cut his hair. Until Bull 
And Robbie Coltrane, again, with another appearance tonight, run in. Um, Jimmy grabs the mic and says, whoa, mercy, boogeyman back. And thankfully, they cut away before I have to listen to a Jimmy Valiant promo. Uh, we go back to the studio. Um, and the announcers say, uh, Jones will not rest uh, until uh, he gets Valiant. So I'm going to pause right there before we segue into the next part. Guys, what did you think of this little small continuation of the Valiant stuff with Watley? So, Dr. G, I'll go to you first. A little small stuff, but again, now we have this whole thing where Watley wants to cut everybody's hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the, when you look, when you think about it, it's like ah, kind of a goofy storyline. But to be honest with you, we're so tired of, um, of Valiant that at least, at least uh, Watley's somewhat entertaining. So mm-hmm. you kind of... You take it for what it's worth. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah, it's just kind of like a little like, and so I put it in here because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show these things that as we build to the bash, how they build up. So this wasn't much, but it was like a little nugget. They just, I threw in. Yeah, yeah. Really, what I think about is, is that, again, these little mid-card storylines or even low mid-card storylines, that they have the crowds engaged. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, I, we probably would laugh at something like this today because what we're so used to. But I, I love the fact that you know because when you're watching these lower card matches, you want to have some kind of um, reason to want to watch it. I mean, come on, do you ever remember watching some of the cards? Or even when I went to house shows as a kid, and I'm like, okay, it's just two random guys fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, big deal. Who cares? You know, like. But when you have know there's a little storyline going on on television. Kind of keeps you entertained. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, if I think about when Scott and um, JT did those Madison Square Garden shows and how mm-hmm. the first three matches were just plotting and boring because you had no investment in any of them and it was just bad. So I like that. To your point, they do these little, small little mini feuds. And I think the other benefit I thought about is they do them, the, the crowd's so hot, but it's because I think they do like the high schools, they do armories and things like that, which again, just resonates with the crowd. I, I don't know, man. I, I just think they got the whole, I mean, they got their shit together with what they got going on right now. It's not even- Exactly. And, and, a, and a character like Jimmy Valiant, the kids like that. You know, he's goofy and he's comes out. And so like you get the younger crowd uh, yep. into someone like him, you know, probably at that time, probably the middle-aged guys like, oh, look at this goofball. I, mean, I hope I'm not going to be like this when I'm his, you know, like, <laughs> yep. yep. so it's, it's, um, no, I, 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 I I'm, I some I do remember this whole storyline, and I was kind of like, it, it, I guess it was kind of neat, like Watley, because he was such the face all the time, you know, the guy that you always wanted to see win, but never did on television, like actually be, be a decent heel. I mean, yep. I know he could get annoying after a while, but it, it, it's more entertaining than what we were seeing before. Yeah. I, I I can't get enough of Watley because I, I for me I feel like Watley. <laughs> forgive me for saying this probably snorts a bunch of coke before every promo and he's just freaking out of his mind i think it's i think it's fantastic uh scott what did you think of this little snippet of the ongoing feud here uh snippet i like that sean um i do like shaska like cutting hair from his opponents i mean i know it's a straight ripoff of um brutus beefcake who was doing that um in the WWF around this he, time, he was. He was. He um, no. He was. Um, was he? No. Hang on. Was no. he still in the Dream Team? Yeah. Yeah. He was still in the Dream Team, so he hasn't done. Oh it wow. Yet. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So maybe they curbed that from him. Um, maybe. Yeah, but um, Jimmy Valiant shows that he's such a smuck that he goes out for the save and ends up getting beat himself and then has to be saved 
himself instead of, you know, being the valiant hero where it's like, how are you supposed to be the good guy? Everyone cheers. But like Dr. G says, it's because he dances like like a buffoon. So um, something needs to change with this uh, feud, like something needs to happen. I mean, that was kind of hot, but they started off so hot for me. They were being Callum's MVPs for that, but it it just seems like it's cooled off. I know it's we've it was part of this long month, too. So that might be something added to it, but. Yeah, I definitely think, uh, listen, it's been a long month. And I think, you know, because it's this, it kicked off and I think it's just been long and um, they had to get through Crockett Cup, but you'll definitely see this heat up as we get in the summer because they definitely have some bash matches coming up, which we'll talk about when we get to that in 2025, I guess. But anyway. Yes. Uh, so, all right. So we're going to jump right out of that. And it goes quick. Like they talk about Jones and they really quickly transition to JJ, JJ coming out um, as Garvin is in the ring for a match. And JJ says, uh, Bob Geigel has decreed that there's no more taped hand for Garvin. That is it a weapon. Um, and he yells at Pee Wee Anderson, who is the ref, uh, that he need, he Garvin needs to take his hand, uh, take the tape off. And Garvin just stares at him like JJ, like he wants to kill him. The tape comes off, and JJ says he was very concerned for Garvin's opponents. And looks, it looks, it's taken him five minutes to unwind all the tape. So really good sell job on the tape being a weapon and Garvin being pissed off. Uh, and so after the match. Um, Garvin comes to the podium and cuts another really bizarre promo. Remind me of the, you know <laughs> just about everyone making a big deal about his tape tans and are a bunch of crybabies. Then he goes into this whole "I'm a proud American" and some guy causing terrorism, and he didn't want to listen. So in the middle of the night, we bomb him. Then he tells the horseman to watch out in the middle of the night. He might be in the bedroom looking over them. And then when he opened his eyes, last thing they will see is his knuckles. And so what he basically does is he's threatening to kill them all. Um, and he says a lot of people don't like the horseman, and he's not alone. Um, and then the final uh, promo later on for this little feud as well, which is building, uh, JJ and Tony come out. Tony says the tape's off Garvin. Ricky Morton's injured, and it seems like things are going the horseman's way. JJ then says the flower shop in Charlotte is busy sending flowers to Baby Doll. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> understand the big deal. Injuries happen every day. Says she should be in the kitchen. Tully says you have to intimidate people. Uh, and then he brings up uh, morons in their injury. He talks about Dusty's foot, Garvin's hand. He goes, that's intimidation. When you get in the ring with the horsemen, you're in the ring with the big dogs. And we hold off the hardware. And that's the bottom line. So, guys, I love this whole, like, little, like, just, so, like, so fast. You know, you got the angle where the tape comes off. You got Garvin cutting one of his bullshit, like, batshit insane promos. And then Tully kind of ties it up with a bow. So, Gee, I'll go to you first. What did you think of this whole thing? I love it. I, you know, the, the the thing is, is just when Tully's on, let me tell you, he's just as good. I mean, he's probably just a step below Ric Flair and, and Arn. Mm-hmm. But when he's on, he's he's phenomenal. He's just, and, and just amazing the things that they they got away with in those days, the things they're saying, you know, when it comes to baby doll and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, he beat up, I mean, he beat up a woman. What's the big deal. Right. I mean, it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just, um, I, I just, I, when I could sit there and I'm watching it and I'm laughing and I'm just enjoying it, then I just know, I mean, that's just, that's, I have to say, that's one of Tully's best promos. I a hundred percent. I loved his promo. I thought it was great. And it just, again, it just, they, 
think about it when you're younger and you're, you know, you're really into the whole kayfabe. You just want to punch this guy. You want to beat the heck out of him. You want to see him get beat. And that was the whole purpose of why they did these interviews. So you'd go plop your 10 or 15 bucks or whatever it was for a ticket at a time to go see the matches. Yep. And, and do per- there's nobody better than the horseman when it comes to that. What did you think of Garvin's bizarre, bizarre promo about bombing people? And what did you think of that? You know, it was weird with him. Like, it just, if he just never was comfortable on the mic. So sometimes it just felt like he was just, I think if he, I don't know how they did things behind the scenes. I think if he was in, in today's wrestling world where they kind of, I don't want to say scripted, well, I, mean, I guess WWE scripts and more, but even if they gave him like some kind of bullet points or something to work with him, maybe, you know, because he, he was convincing because he was a tough guy. I mean, I wouldn't have him do a five minute promo, but, he just seems all over the place. Like he's not focused. Right. Yep. I mean, I don't know if that's a, that's the right word. You know, like it just, he just seems like he's like uh, almost ADHD. He doesn't know what he's just going all over the place or he just doesn't know what to say. So he just starts spouting off. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm very entertained by his serial killer promos. I, I, I don't I know he's spouting a bunch of garbage, but I'm laughing my ass off the whole time he's talking. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying they're the worst <laughs> things in the world. Trust me, there's some bad promos out there that we could talk about. It's just, I think he probably, because he that's where his rap was, is that he wasn't a good good mm-hmm. on the stick. But I think if he had somebody who was able to work with him, and maybe like today's world where they do put a lot of emphasis on that, which they did then, but they didn't really have people working with each other, he yep. might have been a, actually a, dis- a decent promo. Agreed. All right, Scott, what did you think of uh, Dexter, Ron Garvin, and the Tolly promo? Well, I actually enjoyed the JJ thing because you yeah, talk about want, yeah. wanting yeah. someone to get beat up and paying money to see it. I was hoping that JJ would get socked in the face by someone. You know, Ron maybe takes off his tape and just still is like, I still got the hands of stone and just Dex JJ because I loved how smug he was. He's like, I got it. You know, it was, it was Bob. It was Bob Geigel, right? And he's like, I got the approval. The tape's coming off just like Dusty's boot. And he, you could tell how smug he is. I, I just loved it. Um, Ron Garvin, uh, serial killer, home invasion person. Um, so so we're doing home invasions now, Ron. All right. Um, <laughs> so great. <laughs> like, I legit, like, I was like, he has, he says he's proud to be an American. I'm pretty sure he's from Canada. Um, he is. Then, yeah, then he was, like, mumbling, like, when you said, like, how some guy, we bombed him in the middle of the night, and then he's like, Flair and Tully, I'm going to wake up, you're going to wake up and see me in the middle of the night? And I was like, well, that's terrifying. Um, I was like, oh, my. I, I even have here, what a bizarre promo, but I did like the thing of how he said he's not alone, which mm-hmm. hopefully that leads to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I loved how, uh, <laughs> I love how they were, like, just Tully and JJ were like making fun of baby doll being hurt. And um, he said, and like he said, things are, are going their way. And also Tully says that um, they intimidate everyone and horsemen are the big dogs, which I really liked. And um, later on, like we're seeing all this horseman stuff, but we're still only seeing three of them. So mm. very interesting. Mm. Um, I'm interested to see what happened with baby doll, because that's still a mystery to us. Um, and Morton, um, it, it, I want to know what happened to him as well. But uh, it was yeah. At this like, point, t- you have Tully no was on it. Yeah, at that, that point uh, during the show, you had no idea what happened. So you know, you're curious. Well, what are they talking about, right? So that they kind of 
tease you that you have to hang on to see what happened to Morton and what happened with uh, Baby Doll, right? That's pretty cool that they did that. They keep you hanging on. So, um, but yeah, good good stuff here. And uh, when we get to May, our first May watch, which will be um, the episode after next, we actually finally get a match between Garvin and Blanchard for the national title. So we'll get to watch that, and it's on TV. So that'll be a good one to. Uh, That'll be a great one. That, that, that is, I do remember that match from what I remember. I haven't watched it yet for this pod, um, but from what I remember, I remember loving the match when I saw it then. So I look forward to talking about that when we get to May. So we're off and running with Tolly and uh, Garvin. As um, So there's one angle that's laid out and uh, a few that's coming up uh, more in depth. All right. Next promo is kind of like, um, you know, I just threw this in here just a little bit for a reason because the Road Warriors are out. They discuss winning the cup and making it through and defeating the Midnight Express. And what I really like about this, so if you're a kid like me watching on TV, they don't really give the context in terms of how they beat them. Like they beat them by DQ, but in my head, as I'm watching this on Saturday night, I'm like, oh man, these guys probably beat the shit out of them and pinned them and destroyed them. But in all fairness, that's not what happened, right? You thought they beat their ass, but it's like the way you thought they won is not the way they actually won if you had to see the Crockett Cup. So I was always on edge for stuff like that. Um, they said they are setting their sights on the tag team titles in the Midnight Express. I also like <clears throat> them discussing the 2014, that they, they, they beat all 24 teams in the cup and it makes it feel like they moved over all 24. So as a freaking kid, that's what I thought. I thought they just went in and beat the shit out of all these 24 teams, which I thought was great. Um, I thought it added definitely to their mystique. Um, and, you know, you had it, like I said, in their head at the time that they killed everybody in the tournament. Then they talk about a double chain match with the Russians in Baltimore tonight that Hawk goofs on at first. Like he um, he calls it a cage match, but he does, he's not real sure what match he's having. And then he says the Russians are a crotchety load of buzzard barf. <laughs> Scott, what did you think of this one briefly? I think Hawk took a bump before he went out there. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what match he was having tonight. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my God. Um. I did like how Ellering said they were setting their sights on the Midnight Express. Maybe Road Warriors are going to go for the tag team gold. I do like that. But, yeah, like Hawk was all over the place. You know, said he said, oh, we – and then, like, he reiterated what Ellering said. And I was talking – like, it was just like he was repeating everything. And it was like Ellering was like his ventriloquist dummy because like it was like he whispers like, oh, yeah, we're coming for the Russians too. In a, in a, in a chain cage match. I wasn't there this last time, but I was there – be there this time. It was like – Dude, you need to stop shooting the monkey steroids into you and stop with the cocaine hawk. Like, relax, man. But yeah, like is. when they talk about 80 wrestling's cocaine promos, that's one you can point to. Yep. Yeah, he's coked out of his mind here. Dr. G, what did you, your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote on here. He's coked out. And, and, you know, especially, you know, when I used to listen to Animal's podcast and he told some of the issues that, you know, and everybody would have thought that, you know, um, then Animal was like the big party or two, and he wasn't. He didn't really, he wasn't into that that scene. Um, so, yeah, there, he was all over the place. I mean, he definitely was doing something before he went on on the air for that one. So, I mean, Ronnie Garvin's just, you know, that's one thing, you know, we say he's all up, but this, this was like, this, you could tell, I mean, maybe when I was younger, I probably didn't totally realize, but you could tell he definitely was, was taking something. So not, not one of his best. Let's put it that way. Yep. We'll hear from the Russians a little later on too, which is funny because they actually shit on Hawk a little bit from low in the promo. So we'll get to that in a little bit. All right. So we're going to jump into Ric Flair and Ricky Morton and what's going on with these guys. Um, you know, remember before the cup, 
you know, they had this confrontation between Morton and Flair. And um, so they've been be- building to this. So David says, uh, David Crockett says, Rhodes and the Rock and Roll Express are causing Flair a bunch of jealousy. And he says, Ric Flair is losing it. We then cut to a six-man elimination match that, as I researched it, was from 420, which, again, was the day after the Cup. And it was at the Greensboro Coliseum. And it was a match between Arn Tully and Flair versus Dusty and the Rock and Roll Express in a, um elimination match. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, man, I bet that would have been great to see live. But um, we get the final moments, and Morton actually pins Flair with a small package to win the match. Flair is super irate. And later on that night, uh, later, I don't know if it was right after the match or not, but the horsemen go right into the rock locker room and attack the Rock and Roll Express. Announcers say they've never in his career has Flair attacked anyone in the dressing room. Flair grabs Morton and runs his face in the concrete. And what's really cool is the visual. You can see the blood smearing all over the floor until Dusty runs in and makes a save. And, you know, Flair is snapped. Dave says, you lose control, you lose the championship. (coughs) So later on, Flair comes out, says David Crockett said last week he would not keep his title versus Dusty in New Orleans. And he flaunts the title and said he does not expect to see Dusty Rhodes in a title picture for a long, long time as the camera keeps panning to all these girls who just keep giving Flair the F me eyes. I always love when they flares out and they pan to all the women in the audience. It's really great for his character, I think. Um, he says, Morton, it's no secret. All the women in the world fall at my feet because he's Ric Flair. Says he's made an example of Morton and he's now a little bitty ugly duckling and no woman wants that face next to her in a king size bed. Uh, he says, now he wakes up in the morning and said, you thought you were a big deal, but Ric Flair changed it. Uh, he, wants the world, he wanted the world to see that Morton was a punk and he put him in his place and he rattles off all these places he's wrestling and to roll out the red carpet. He doesn't care who it is when he faces him. Diamonds are forever. And so is Ric Flair. And so the final part of this, <coughs> Morton later comes out. Um, his face is all scraped and scabbed. And he comes out with Gibson. It's a really good visual here. I don't, this makeup or whatever, how they did it, it looked amazing. Uh, Morton says Flair didn't do anything. It took all three horsemen and JJ to do after he beat up Flair. Um, he tells Flair to blow all his limos and planes out his ear and calls him a punk. He's going to walk that aisle to be the world champ. Says to be the man, you got to beat the man. And he's done it several times. Tells the other horsemen they are coming after him. Expected more. I, I mean, listen, the first two parts of this, the angle and the flare promo were great. Honestly, with Morton, um, you know, it was good, but it didn't catch that fire that I really wanted to feel coming out of Flair and what he did to him. So, Scott, I will go to you first. What did you think of this whole Flair Morton dynamic? Well, uh, I, I love seeing Flair uh, rub Morton's face in the concrete. That's a pretty famous angle. Um, and, you know, I love seeing Morton's face of how, like, you know, I think they talk in one of the shoot, flare shoot promo videos. They took sandpaper to Morton's face to uh, to make it look real, which I really liked. Um, I will say that Flair had some good lines saying, let's have a moment of silence for Morton, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. And how Morton is a punk and he put him in his place. Um, Ricky Morton, just like uh, our buddy serial killer Garvin. Um, not the greatest on promos, uh, but I, I do love how Ricky Morton, known as Ricky Morton, referred to himself as Rick Morton, which mm-hmm. I don't know, made me laugh. But um, he said he's going to be a world champion. And Morton also said that the R&R is coming for Tully and Arn. So, like, we have, like, a bunch of divergent paths because Tully and Arn did beat up um, Robert Gibson. So it's... Um, it's pretty interesting. So it seems like the more, uh, the Rock and Roll Express are not only going after Flair, but the Horseman as a whole, which which I like. Yeah, this is yeah, really really good shit here. Doctor G, what did you think? 
You know, I this is this is yeah, definitely like Scott said, one of the most more famous uh, uh, angles with the Horsemen, uh, especially the rubbing of Morton's mm-hmm. face. And I'll tell you, they really played up the kayfabe then, because like I said, you, you, and I heard that one about the sandpaper, and that that I think that was totally true. And but the visual on that concrete with the blood was amazing. It was amazing. It was. I don't. I don't know how that what what he did. If he actually did blade himself, so then when they did rub his face, you know, the blood, I, I don't know. They just did a great job with it. And, uh, you know, Flair was just phenomenal on us. And this was this was a, a pretty decent feud. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think they were seriously thinking about putting the belt on, on mm-hmm. Morton. But Morton didn't want to leave his partner, which you have to respect. I know that's been talked about a lot lately. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of um I agree with you on the Morton thing, and I did write. I was like, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more fire, especially what happened to him. You know, you would expect that it would be a little bit more. Um, uh, you know, we've seen uh, Ricky Morton do some fiery promos, but I, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more uh, out of that, uh, considering what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, you can only hear. I mean, you, you just had your face like smashed into concrete and blood smeared everywhere. I don't need to hear. I'm coming for you, Ric Flair, Daddy. Coming out of that, you know, it's like yeah, that, it kind of kind of sounded hokey. Like it was like you know, you know how like we've seen how Magnum TA has really improved on his promos because you felt the passion and you felt the anger coming from him when he was, um, you know, conducting his interviews. I didn't feel that anger from Rick Morton on this on this interview. Yeah, yep. and I remember a couple episodes ago, Colin was talking about oh, you know, the typical Ric Flair promo. I wasn't feeling it. I don't know about you guys, but I love Rick Flair. I, re- I love Flair's promo tonight. So I yeah, he he uh, was yeah. he was awesome. This is the Rick yeah. Flair we know and love. Yeah, yeah, he was on his shit tonight for good. It was great. So all right, so we've had two big angles. We've had the Tully and Garvin angle. We've had Morton and Flair set up two big things here. Now we're gonna go to. I remember this. I remember the Morton Flair angle, but I also remember this angle because from a shot value standpoint, I I just couldn't believe that they actually pulled this off on TV. So <clears throat> Tony and David Crockett. They revisit baby doll being injured, said she was hurt and went to the hospital. Tony goes um, in on, he really gets upset and goes in on wrestlers hurting wrestlers, but they should not hurt a woman. Tony doesn't like to look at this. Um, we cut to a tape of Jim Cornette in a ring with the Midnight Express. Um, and he says he hasn't seen Magnum TA today, but knows Dusty is here and says he's tired of these two saying what a great team they are. And he actually challenged Dusty to come to the ring. <coughs> Dusty comes out with baby doll, Jim Crockett, uh, I'm sorry, Jim Cornette. Bus, um, he basically busts on Dusty's hat and talks shit at Dusty as he gets in the ring. Uh, Dusty does an amazing double clothesline at the Midnight Express, starts punching Jim Cornette. But Condry hits Dusty with a racket. Baby Doll runs in and attacks Bobby with some great fire, but he shoves her into a corner, basically tossing her off, and she goes down. Um, Eaton smacks Dusty in the head with the racket, then grabs Baby Doll, and uh, Jim Cornette jams the racket into her stomach as Condry holds and makes Dusty watch. Um, David Crockett during this might be an all-timer with his stroke out. Um, the crowd is going absolutely bonkers as the faces hit the ring. Uh, Cornette then goes to the interview podium, and him and him and David Crockett go at it. David Crockett's so mad, he actually storms off. Cornette berates Dusty and the faces and tells them to go tell TA what they did because they aren't scared of Dusty or Magnum. Eaton said, wrestling ain't no place for a woman. Jim Crockett calls baby doll big and fat and could whoop her any day. Um, and in the side shot, they show Dusty laying over Baby Doll, and then they carry her out. Jim uh, Jim Cornette says Dusty ain't a man; he's a big piece of garbage. So before I move on to 
the next two interview segments. Uh, Scott, what did you think of this angle? I thought it was off the chain amazing. What what a masterpiece. I'd never seen this before, to be completely honest, um, with uh, Baby Doll being hurt. So I was like, who the hell hurt her? Was it, you know, the horseman? You know, because they could have done that with Tully. I like that it was the Midnight Express. It gives them fire, which, you know, Cornette has no problem getting heel heat. And you know what? He just finally ain't... has something for the Midnight Express because I feel like his champions, they've just been floundering. Like, yeah, they, they, really, they really have been. They really yep. have been. So I'm glad that it gives them something. You know, they didn't win the Crockett Cup. But, you know, I think they might have came out better than the Road Warriors after that if they're going to take out the top baby faces valet in Baby Doll. Uh, I mean, the crowd was just go. I'm surprised they didn't have a riot um, when when um, when first like Eaton elbowed Baby Doll and then Cornette hit her right in the stomach with like the tennis racket. And I just loved how all the baby faces like we spoke about earlier are like tending to Baby Doll. And Cornette was just amazing, like, you know, saying how he's not scared of Dusty or Magnum and like how you said how like ring ain't no place for a woman. I think Cornette even said, like, she just needs to be in the kitchen or something. And it was just she's big and fat and Dusty's a a big piece of garbage. I loved it. And yeah. And I will say, like, I know we're going to get to this, but this Dusty and Magnum promo, like this is serious Dusty, like talk about promos knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, I, we'll get to that in a minute because this might be up there with hard times for me, this next promo. But, Dr. G, what did you think of the actual angle? You know, I have to be honest with you, Sean. I don't totally remember this angle. I don't know why, but I don't. You know um, why? Because because that or, that Morton range, that Morton angle is so incredibly famous. This one might fly a little under the radar. That might be yeah, why. Probably because there was just so many uh, of these things. And, and um, Cornette is just at his best here i mean he just knows how to get that heel heat and just you know putting her down and calling her fat and you know and um and i'll tell you though you know i, I didn't realize because you know we think of more of the attitude error with the whole stuff with women and stuff uh, getting involved but i didn't realize how much uh how much they got involved back in the 80s mm-hmm. as much mm-hmm. um and you know it was interesting how you know Again, I watched so much wrestling when I was a kid that, you know, Dusty Rhodes also wrestled in Florida at the same time. So he had different angles there. And it was, it was like, I never totally understood the whole baby doll and Dusty connection. You know, obviously going back now, you're starting to see how everything came together. So it was just, sometimes you got confused when you were younger because a lot of these guys wrestled in so many different territories, but they had different feuds going on. Uh, and yep. they didn't really make mention of wherever else they were. So it kind of, you know, confused you. But, but Dusty, um, with with the Midnight Express, I just don't remember this, but I love it. I love that because, you, like you said, the Midnight Express just seemed like they were just out there. Oh, we're the champs now, but they don't really have a, a feud to really um, latch on to. So this 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 was a this was very well done, very well done angle. Again, probably overshadowed by the Ricky Morton Ric Flair mm-hmm. angle, but but uh, something definitely to enjoy. Well, what I like is we're seeing Dusty transition out of the flare. Okay, so we're going to transition to Flair and Morton. So the so we know that rock and roll, we're going after the tag titles, but now we're transitioning to Dusty and Magnum. By the way, Magnum's also got Nikita. So Dusty, uh, so Magnum's going to have his hands full this summer. Like he's juggling, you know, he's kind of like Dusty was when we first started this pod where he had the hand in every pot. And Dusty to agree still does, but... Pretty two big feuds here. If uh, you know Magnum's going to be feuding with the tag team champions, plus he's got to defend the U.S. Cha- I mean, they're really going all in on Magnum with this too. So 
Um, really, yeah, this just it's just great to see them setting up new stuff so it's not the same, oh, God, I got to watch another Dusty Flair match. I love that. Love it. Yeah. So, all right. So we then flash back to the studio. And this promo for me, again, I might be overstating this uh, as far as liking it as much as a hard time promo, but um, Tony is with America's team. Dusty's in his glasses. And both he and T.A. are just selling that fury. It's like we talked about Morton, which he would sell some fury out of what Flair did. And these two got freaking steam coming out of their freaking heads. T.A. screams about Cornette knowing he wasn't there and says he doesn't know what he's gotten himself into. <clears throat> says Dusty's a real man and a real woman walked out to answer his challenge. T.A. will never forget Eaton's face or Jim, Cro- or, uh, Jim Cornette jamming that racket into Baby Doll's stomach. He says this won't be about the titles. This will be about vengeance, says he never thought he would see the day he would go to war for baby doll, but he, she has shown who she is, and we are behind her. And then Dusty says it's simple. Baby doll came into a man's game and wanted to be equal. She took a lot of abuse, and then Dusty just cuts a hell of a promo about every woman's dream is to be the best, be it a secretary. He even said being the best on the street, which I was like, holy shit. So he talks about <laughs> being, being a secretary, best on the street, being a doctor, a lawyer, said this world is not a man's world. This world belongs to the women. Um, says we would have a president. Uh, says we had a president, men with children without a woman. We would not have a, a president. Um, says Baby Doll said for a few hours didn't know she would have to be able to have children, which just kind of takes it over the edge in terms of, you know, what that shot really meant to her as a woman and what it could have possibly done. Um, he says um, they're, they're going to take it out of the Midnight Express. Says when you think you can get in the ring with the Midnight Express, that's hard times. But when you put your hands on Jim Cornette, that's risky business. And, and that's, that, I'm sorry, that was, um, that was uh, Cornette's. Uh, anyway, um, this just was all, oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped over. I'm sorry, guys. I went too far ahead. Let me, let me go back here. Um, he says, uh, Baby Doll, like I said, didn't know if she would have children. Tells Midnight Express to forget the titles. What's going down is a good old-fashioned ass-kicking. So I'm sorry I jumped ahead there. I, I, I looked forward to my notes. But this dusty magnum fucking all-time great fantastic promo here dr g what did you think i agree uh, this 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 was great i mean just the way D- dusty just go off about about uh we wouldn't have a president if it was <laughs> just... and every woman's dream is to be the best including being a hooker on the street i loved it <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't even think he knows what he's saying at the time no he did it i i was shocked <laughs> at that comment but i just went with it I but you it know good. what he's still entertaining nonetheless i tell you this 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 was uh oof. this was this was I, right under hard times i would say mm-hmm. uh, of what we've seen so far yeah and you know what for me it's almost like you know we've seen a lot of promos with flair and dusty but this dusty promo almost re-energized me in terms of how I feel about Dusty Rhodes and how well, how great his promos are, because I feel like in some of these promos, he just kind of keeps track a little bit and kind of stays the course. This right. one was a whole nother level and God, it was so good. But it was good. It, it, you know, and when he, when he's fired up too, it's even better because he just goes on and on. But, and yeah, you, know, you may like be, what did he just say? You know, but, but it's just, it's good. It's, it's, he's entertaining and that's why, you know, he's no, one of the best in the in the business. I, I mean, you know, we're only seeing a microcosm. You know, we've only covered about a year so far. But I mean, I remember him always being just a great, great talker. I mean, I always thought probably Ric Flair was better, but but Dusty's pretty good. Yeah, oh, and it's it's so hard those two. Like like they'll randomly just pull one out of their ass that you're like, oh my god, that's so. 
this one I can't even. This was just a. Yeah. By the way, you say you know he's fired up. It fires me up. Like watching this, in, like watching this promo, I was getting fired up. <laughs> it was so good. That's how yep. good this was. So, all right, Scott, what'd you think? I assumed you loved every minute of this too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. Um, I loved. I'm start off with Magnum bringing up the past with Baby Doll. That's a nice touch, and mm-hmm. like it, re- it rewards the viewers. For people who have been there the whole time, because, you know, like like Dr. G just said, like we've seen like basically a year and, you know, when we first saw her, she was with Tully and they were they had a blood feud. So, like, you know, it's nice to see like how he's like bringing up the past, like how he would like do anything for her and how they're going to come for they're coming for Midnight Express. Dusty, as you said, guys, was knocking out of the park. I do love how you said this is a woman's world. Like, it's like, damn, like, Dusty's, like, being super serious. And then he gets bleeped again because he said they're going to get their ass kicked. Um, but, no, it was just a hell of a promo. Uh, I, du- Magnum was just a little below Dusty, but Dusty's one of the best. And, like, I, I know I wasn't here for it, but I remember you guys at the start was, like, you know, when Magnum had that feud with Flair and like, he was like, yeah, his promos suck. And like, he, he's came such a long way in his like serious promos. Cause you believe that he was going to whoop his ass, whoop Midnight Express and Jim Cornette's ass. And that's what you want to see. Yeah. The evolution of TA over the last year has been definitely one of the highlights just to watch how he's grown from, you know, maybe not so confident baby face to, you know, lose, almost getting beat by a freaking Irwin brother to like his fire is, it's great. The last year or so watching him grow has been absolutely fantastic. So, all right. So we're going to close this uh, little segment feud out with Jim Cornette. He says, baby doll should not have stuck her nose in this and women don't belong in sports. And then he rattles off all the sports that men dominate. He says, baby doll put herself in a man's position. And when you do that, you're going to get hurt. He calls baby doll a heifer and she got what she deserved. Dusty says, uh, he, then he goes, he says, Dusty's in old Westerns and talks about how they used to knock sheriffs down and make them watch their horse get beat up. And then he compares it to this, which, again, goddamn, man. Dusty couldn't do a damn thing to stop, and he calls T.A. a coward for not being there. He tells them to try to take out the Midnight Express. He says, when you think you can get in the ring with the Midnight Express, that's hard times. When you put your hands on Jim Cornette, that's risky business. And I love the reference to those that promo um, of hard times. I love the reference to the risky business. I mean, Jesus Christ, if you're going to close out like just a three like interview segment between the I'm sorry, the 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 angle, the Dusty and Magnum and the Cornette. This is probably like one of the greatest setups of something that's going to happen here that we're going to get to watch. I've ever seen. So, Scott, what did you think of Cornette? I thought Cornette was on his shit, too. Yeah, he really was. And also, Dusty was calling himself the modern day cowboy. And I love yes. that Cornette making fun of him for being the modern day cowboy. He's like, I don't see no troughs around here. He's like, when you I, step I, I, outside, I'm making, you, I'm, I'm making me, I'm making you watch me kill your horse. That's <laughs> great. Go and ahead, I dude. love how he, like, Cornette's just like, he's just building the heat. And like, if I was a fan in, you know, the, the Crockett area in 86, I would have been begging my parents to be like, we need to see this. I need, I need to see what's going to happen. Um, but it just, these guys are on another wavelength tonight with, with all these promos. It feels like we're having a reset after, mm-hmm. um, after the Crockett cup, which, you know, as we spoke about before Crockett cup, wasn't that successful. They wanted the Superdome. I think they maybe got 7,000 total. So that's like a big mistake. So if, you know, what they're planning for the summer needs to be a success, they need 
you know, to be turned up to 11. And they're certainly on their way to that. Yeah, it, it's a total reset. And it's, you know, it's funny, I, Dr. G, as I go to you, as you close this out, one thing about you said earlier about women and wrestling. So if you compare this, you know, if you're a WWF fan, you're watching Miss Elizabeth and how timid and meek she is with the Macho Man. I mean, and then you flip over the channel and you see this shit, you don't know what punched you in the face. But anyway, what'd you think of this with Cornette? You know, Cornette is, he's such a, whether you like him or you don't like him, he's such a student of the game. Like he, those references to Dusty's promos, that just shows you how much he listens, how much he knows what's going on and he pays attention to it. And he keeps, and he keeps how the, um, the continuity and that's what he's really good. And he's very quick, quick witted. He gets out what he needs to do, and he creates that heat, just like Scott was saying, you know, makes you want to buy that ticket to go see these guys go at it and probably want to see his butt get kicked. So um, Cornette is, you know, that's why he's one of the best managers of all time, because he knows how to generate that heat and make sure that his guys, because remember, you look at the Midnight Express, they, they, you didn't want to give them the microphone very often. They weren't going to, they weren't going to create heat on the mic. But because they had a manager like Jim Cornette, it made it brought them up to another level. And I think they would probably say the same thing, you know, uh, if Bobby Eaton were uh, still with us and and either Stanley or Dennis, they would have to give a lot of their credit to um, Jim Cornette. Yeah. And I, I and for me, I think up to this point, this might be the best Cornette promo overall Cornette promo we've seen since he's gotten here. I think no doubt about it. I think this is this is like the Jim Cornette I know and love. So. Yeah, really, again, two hot feuds. We've got three feuds now. we got Tully and Garvin, who kind of like that mid-card for the national title. you got Flair and Morton for the world title set up, and now you got this. And I also love, they said this ain't about the titles. Because the Road Warriors said they're coming for the titles. These guys said they're coming for vengeance. So, yeah, just, again, I can't say enough about this. Um, this episode of uh, Saturday Night um, is pretty comparable to... Um, the one that had the Garvin and Flair match and the uh, in the uh, Ole TA match, but from an angle standpoint, this is probably the best Saturday night we've watched so far. So we got two more <clears throat> promos to close this uh, this uh, April out. So Nikita and Ivan are out with the six man trophy. Ivan brings up the match we had watched from Mid Atlantic, and TA interfering in his match said TA deserved exactly what he got by being carried out on a stretcher. He says Crusher will be back in a matter of weeks. Says T.A. losing his U.S. title would be his nightmare, and his nephew Nikita is his nightmare. They then show a chain match segment from a match between T.A. and Nikita, which, again, was from the same Greensboro show that uh, Morton got his face uh, beat up on. And Nikita actually won that match as it was a non-title match. Um, Kremlin, he said, Kremlin has entered into serious negotiations for U.S. title match on TV. Uh, Nikita comes in and basically says he's harder than T.A. thought. He's going to be U.S. champion. And then Ivan goes into the Road Warriors and says they don't know what kind of match or where they're even having it, which I thought was a great reference to the Hawks blunder earlier. <laughs> uh, they, they don't know how to read or write either. He said the Meadowlands. <laughs> That's what I love. Yeah, they don't know how to read or write it either. So basically the Meadowlands is supposed to be a cage match, but tonight there's a double chain match in Baltimore, and they are looking forward to it. And by the way, the other note is, uh, FYI, the Road Warriors won both those matches from the Meadowlands and Baltimore from this night, but... Um, I added this because, one, it continues the Nikita and the, the whole build to the TV match. But also, I kind of like Ivan shitting on the Road Warriors. Scott, what'd you think? Yeah, I, you know, I love the Ivan calling Nikita Magnum's nightmare. I thought that was like, mm. you know, because 
I just love the Russian nightmare nickname. So like, you know, I, I love hearing that because like, even though we've seen those matches and they haven't been good, like the crowd's still hot for all of them. Um, and I have been saying road warriors don't know how to read or write. I started laughing when he said that. Cause Me it was too. like these idiots, like they screwed up earlier and he's like, it felt like dusty was like, go up there, rip them a new asshole. And we'll, we'll just figure it out later. Yep. Yep. All right. And Dr. G, what do you think of this? This little promo here. Well, I de- def- that's just like uh, Scott said. I-, I agree with you about the um, uh, Ivan shitting on the the Road Warriors because again, it's it just shows you that that everybody pays attention. It, it, there's the continuity there when their opponents are are actually at the desk. They're paying attention to what they're saying so they can respond. That's that's. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That just shows you how invested they are into the product because you want to make sure to you want to play off that. And that's exactly what they did there. And I, I was laughing, too, when I heard it, because I'm like, and you know that people knew that Hawk had some substance issues. So he definitely was uh, I'm fun with that. Well, I do like Ivan, and I'm sure it was a red saying they don't know how to read or write either. Basically call him stupid. <laughs> I, just, Ivan, I thought Ivan was having fun with that. I thought it was great. So, all right. So we're going to close it out tonight and uh, uh, with the horsemen that close out the show. And it's been a long time since we've seen them all at a kind of like a interview environment. So all three and JJ are at the podium. Uh, this is after uh, Arn has defended the TV title against the jobber. Arn says, everyone wakes up trying to be someone else. We are just happy to be us. And that's such a simplistic term, a thing of what he said. I thought that was great. Flair says a whole bunch of women in New Orleans um, call the horsemen the good horsemen. We left town. They all walk around in a daze. Flair says Morton can get all his friends together, um, and they are the championship rogue, and we do it better than anybody. He praises JJ for guiding them, and all the faces can do is get their butts kicked. JJ says if R&R want to bite off the horsemen, Arn and Tully would be happy to accommodate in any arena in the world. Blanchard says um, the other two have covered it all. They, and then he says, I love this line, they are rich women's lovers and poor girls' dreams. I also like it when Tully, he's wearing his douchey little preps, uh, preppy sweater tied around his neck. I always think that's when he's at his best douche, douche mode. JJ closes it out as Flair screams, how about that girl that called him Sagittarius as he's walking out the door? Uh, yeah, man, great way to end the show. And for me, guys, and I don't know about you, this might be my favorite episode of Saturday Night we have watched in this podcast just because of everything that's happened. The promos are great. The angles are great. We didn't get any matches, but I didn't need them tonight. So, G, I'll go to you first. What did you think of this closing promo from the Horsemen? Well, first of all, I agree with you on that. Uh, even though we didn't have really any matches, I like I, I, just the storylines were great. Um, and just, you know, usually when I watch the show, I usually watch the whole show. I have the whole show on, mm-hmm. even though you give the, you know, we're going to cover the certain parts of it. And when you put it all together, it just... It's definitely one of their best, if not the best, definitely we watched so far. Hopefully uh, that won't be the best one we see, even though this was great. Hopefully we'll get even better uh, the way these storylines are going. Um, the Horsemen, just a typical Horseman promo, the whole deal, making themselves look like they're larger than life. And honestly, the sad thing is now we know they actually lived that life. So it's not even they weren't even kayfabing on any of this stuff. So that's that's even the best part of it. And um, so you. Really, they're kind of uh, being themselves, which uh, and and you know, Flair. Just uh, what else could you say? I mean, 
Yeah. Have we ever really seen a bad promo? I don't think we've ever criticized the promo that he's done. Uh, Colin did a Ric Flair promo, but it was kind of a standard Flair promo, and Colin was just saying how, you know, I hope, you know, it's just kind of the same old rigmarole, but it seems like he's got his energy back. So, I'm, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. different, you know, <laughs> different feuds. And I, I, like I said, I know the Ricky Morton feud is, is he really enjoyed that feud. If you listen to some of his stuff today, he really loved working with Ricky Morton. So, well, the rumor, well, by the way, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but um, I was talking about how Schiff and I are going to the Ric Flair's last match that's been announced. Well, he is teaming up with FTR, and they're facing the Rock and Roll Express and somebody who hasn't been announced yet. So he'll actually get in the ring with them. So I think it's kind of kismet that his last match, he's going to be in there with Morton, which tells you how much respect he has. Yeah, for and, and, you know, Morton yeah. could still go for it. You know, Morton's in his, what, mid-60s or whatever. He could still go pretty good. Yeah. If I see Ric Flair take a Morton uh, – Hurricanrana, I'm gonna lose my shit, Chef. But anyway, Chef, what did you think of this closing promo? Chef, are you on mute? Where you at? Yeah, sorry. I'm gonna start off by saying that JJ saying that the camera is filled with greatness and then immediately tells Tony to leave was great. Yes, I forgot that part. Thank you. For oh, saying that. yes, yes. <laughs> He's like, We're, you're seeing greatness right now, Tony. You can leave. I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. Um. And they were calling themselves the three horsemen there. I don't know if you guys caught that, not the four. And that's always very odd to hear anything more than like the four horsemen. So call themselves the three horsemen there because Oli has been gone for a bit. Um, to be honest, I know I highlighted those two, those two highlights there, but I don't know. I just didn't feel like I, it wasn't their best group promo. It's probably because we've been spoiled by so many good promos tonight um that i don't know it just didn't have the same intensity it's maybe because we had already seen jj so much flair and tolly as well um I, I don't even know if arn spoke in this group promo so like he did he basically said everyone wakes up trying to be someone else and that was enough for me <laughs> okay <laughs> i love yeah i just i just wasn't uh, i don't know um what a feeling it huh yeah Oh. But like I, I think it's because like all the other promos were knocked out of the park, and this was like a solid double. So, yeah. oh, we well, that's interesting. I thought it was great, but again, you know, it's each their own. I, 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 I just anyway, we don't have to argue about it. I mean, I want to, but I won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So that closes out April finally of April '86. Um. I mean, it's all guns a blazing heading into May, so I cannot wait. To start talking about May, I'm actually excited. It's kind of after seven episodes of April, I am so ready for May. And I love that they kind of basically rebooted Direction um, immediately after Cup. And again, I think this is why this is probably my... And Scott, would you say this would be your favorite Saturday night episode we've watched so far? Oh, oh yes. Um, 100%. Like this... Like I grew up watching Crockett and NWA, so this was like I felt like I was a little kid again, you know, freaking out as you know they're yelling at the TVs. So it was, um, it was awesome. But like, like we were talking about, it feels like a, a reset, and you know, sometimes that's needed. And I, I think it's pretty ironic that you know after and during this time with WWF, like even now in WWE after Mania, it feels like we get a great reset in April, and here we are in April of '86 getting a great reset, but not from WWF, but with Crockett. That's right. So anyway, so that closes out uh, Crockett for April. So uh, before we end this episode, we are going to do our territory spotlight match, which we will do on an ongoing basis. Um, well, we'll add. I think we kind of did this a little bit with Crockett Cup, where we'll go to the same date in some territory and pick a match that just to watch and see what's going on over there. 
So this match is from April 26, 1986. It is Ted DiBiase versus Tenru in Japan. Um, and I know how much you love Japan, Scott. So that's why I picked this one particularly. Um, and DiBiase, by the way, was supposed to be in a Crockett Cup. And the angle was he was uh, injured. And he was actually on a tour of Japan. So I thought it'd be kind of good to see, okay, what was he doing over Japan? And this was the finals for, I guess, some title called the United National Title. Uh, I guess it's a title over in Japan. But anyway, um, as I said, DiBiase was supposed to be in the cup, but he was on this tour of Japan. The match is joined in progress. Uh, DiBiase firmly has the million-dollar man look at this point with the beard and everything. Uh, DiBiase uh, does some mat work, rec- working over Tenru's arm. Um, and he tried to muscle a few pins. Tenru, after three minutes, spins out of it and hits an insiguri. But DiBiase gets a small package and an arm drags him right back into arm work. Tenru has some stiff forearms and chops and then hits a nice suplex. And then Tenru gets a headlock. There's more, there's some good, there's more good chops, a neck breaker, a power bomb, and a back suplex. Uh, and then there's a behind the back insecurity that sends DiBiase outside. And Tenru dives through the ropes on him, which again, you didn't see this kind of stuff in 1986. And I don't, I very rarely even remember seeing insiguris or power bombs there too. Um, there's a savage throw to Ted and uh, DiBiase into the railing. They get back in a ring and DiBiase hits a suplex and then hits a nice power slam. He misses a back elbow drop for the second rope. Um, there's a sick chop off between the two. Tenry gets a drop kick. Then there's another behind the insiguri. Uh, um, an elbow to te- uh, DiBiase. Tenry gets a headlock, but DiBiase does the atomic knee to Tenry leg and into a figure four, uh, but he reverses it into the rope. DiBiase does a spinning toe hold, and he's pushed over the top rope. Um, Tenru gets a stalling, uh, stalling suplex on him back into the ring. Tenru goes for a back elbow off the second rope halfway across the ring, but DiBiase moves. Ted goes for another spinning toe hold, but Tenru's small package for three. Um, I thought the first four minutes were a little dull, but, man, it really picked up steam uh, with some really stiff shots and good wrestling. I actually went three and a quarter stars on this. Um, I like this a lot better than I thought. And I was worried because the first few minutes I was like, ah, oh, shit, it's going to be another boring Japan match. So Scott, I'll go to you first. This match was a banger. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I loved uh, the insiguris. Like I have, I have them here. Um, and I loved how it seemed at first that Tenru couldn't get out of his own way. Like he would get some offense, but Ted would just bring you back down, which is what I loved. And was just, um, you know, he was, he was working the arm, uh, some solid limb work going there. And, like, I love they had a little chop battle. And, like, I will say that powerbomb that Tenru did, I think, was the world's slowest powerbomb. Like, I thought when he get him up, I was like, oh, my God, Ted's getting dropped right on his neck right here. Um, thankfully, that didn't happen. Tenru has some nice insiguris. Like, he hit, like, three of them here. And the suicide dive was not – I did not have that on my bingo card, Sean. Um, mm-hmm. I will say – when Ted got kicked out of the ring, I even have um, written down here, oh, we're getting a count out. But Ted actually gets back in the ring. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tenru missed the backwards elbow, which I thought was nice. And then I loved, um, you know, the Great American Bash 90 uh, ending where Ted was going for a figure four and Tenru uh, inside cradled him. So mm-hmm. I, I, I went three stars. I, I really enjoyed this match. You know, I, I you know it's a thing where me and Callum were like, oh, Japan matches, they suck. This was an awesome match. I'm glad I found a Japan match you would like. I, I, I won't lie. Like I said, I was a little worried the first few minutes because there was a lot of limb work, but then it just went like balls to the walls, and it was great. Uh, Dr. G, what do well, you think? Well, oh, sorry, well, well also, Sean, well, also, Sean, we didn't have a shit ending. Like, you know how many times we've seen, like, yes. Flair or someone get knocked out of the ring, and I'm like, oh, here's the, here's the 10 count or the 20 count. Like, it's going to piss me off. That is very true. One of the things about Japan is – 
You know, I, I, I have an upcoming episode of Before I Was a Mark where I watch a Japan match that I absolutely loved. But one of the things about Japan is they tend to get all these wrestlers from the different territories. But to your point, when they wrestle, you know, it's going to be kind of some kind of schmaz ending because the territory doesn't want their guy to lose, right? So to yes. your point, it was really good to actually see a finish in this match where someone actually won. So really good insight on that because I agree with you 100%. Uh, Dr. G, what did you think of this match? That's the first comment I wanted to make and was the fact that we actually got to see a finish mm-hmm. uh, in, in a, a Japan match. I'm the same way. I'm not usually big on the Japan matches, but I was a little worried like you were, um, Sean, in the beginning. But yep. then it did pick up and it did get better. I went three stars as well, like Scott. Um, I actually really did enjoy the match. Uh, it's it's nice to see because w- this was what year eighty six, right? So yeah, T- yeah, this DiBiase is this is the was, same day as the Saturday night we just watched. Yeah, and I, and I think DiBiase went to WWE. What maybe about six months later? Yeah, he's already looking like the million dollar man. He's got the whole yeah. look already. <laughs> exactly. So um, I, I, you know. I, the power bomb, like you said, I was kind of worried with that one because it was kind of a slow one, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't drop him on his neck." But um, uh, the Insiguris by Tenru was really good. Um, uh, again, I I was not expecting that we were going to get a clean finish, but I guess because it was for some, like you said, that United National Belt, mm-hmm. that uh, I guess we had to have a winner. I was would have been very shocked if Ted DiBiase would have won. That's I have to say mm-hmm. that. I, I yep. wasn't expecting that, um, but all in all, a good good match. I uh, definitely deserves the three stars. Uh, I know you went a little higher than we did, but I mean, it was only three and a quarter. I, I just went a quarter star, so it's all apples, apples. It's fine. I, I, I think we're all in the same ballpark. I think uh, it was it was definitely something on paper that I would not have guessed. I would have give, given three stars. Let's put it that way. See, not because heard- of who's in it. So, yeah, so what I so basically what I do is, and again, I do a lot of research for this show. You guys know this. So basically what I do is I, YouTube is like my wrestling encyclopedia now. So I just put in 42686 to see what matches come up. And this one stood out way more than any other one that came out. So I'm glad it held up its end of the deal to end this show tonight. So, yeah, really probably a hidden gem here for Japan. If you want to see a Japan match that, you know, for those like, like Logan or even Schiff who shit on Japan matches, and Dr. G really hates Japan matches too, go out of your way to see this one. This one is pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. So, all right, guys. So we'll do the end of show awards. Um, this Some of these are going to be really tough. So the David Crockett Award, which is the best overall moment or your favorite thing. Dr. G, which one? What, it's a lot to pick from tonight. What would you pick? Um, I'm sorry. You you went out there for yeah, something. Oh, sorry. The, da- the David Crockett Award, which is the best overall moment on what we watched tonight. Ooh, I'll tell you. Good, good luck. We, good luck. <laughs> this one is, this one was uh, really tough. I, I'm between the Ricky Morton, Ric Flair, and obviously the Dusty and Midnight Express stuff I thought was really good. So you're going to um, go with both? You're going to go with both? If you had to pick one now. I have one in particular I'm going to pick, but there's a reason. Uh, you know what? I think I'd have to just, I'd have to go with the Ricky Morton one because that's, that's the more famous one. But I, I have to say the Dusty and Midnight Express one's right under it. I can't, I, you know, but if I, you had to, if I, since I have to pick one, I'll go with the Ricky Morton angle. All right, Schiff. I'm, I'm going to shock y'all. I'm going with Tully, Garvin, and JJ. 
Wow. I am shocked. Yeah, wow. Is there a context behind that? I, you know, when Ron Garvin threatens to, you know, home invade <laughs> two people, I can't really look that down. But I, I just love the smugness from JJ at the start because this is the one where the heels got the upper hand. Not doing something illegal, they did it by the book. And that's just something I, I loved. And I love uh, Garvin saying, I have someone coming that's going to help me. Who the hell can that be? Mm. I don't know. We'll find out, maybe. Uh, so for me, uh, I guess we're going to have a three-way split. I'm going with the Dusty and Baby Doll angle just for the simple fact that from the angle to the amazing promo by Dusty to Jim Cornette kind of rounded out with an even more ama- like a, pr- a promo of himself, I the, the promos involved in the other two did not even come close. And that, that's what that, I, I'm all in on that one. Uh, yeah. That, that takes it I, I definitely see, I, I had a tough time and I'll be honest with yeah. you. And, and to be honest with you, I had the Ricky Morton, Ric Flair, and that when we went over the, the whole thing with Dusty and it, it that made me want to actually pick that, you know, I think I'm going to have to change my mind. Mm. I, cause I'm not feeling comfortable. I wasn't a hundred, I'm going to have to go with the baby doll. Um, Dusty yeah. Rhodes, because uh, it, I, it, by us going over it, actually changed my, you know, changed my mind, and I, I was, I think I was going with the Ricky Morton Ric Flair one just because. Because it's how- famous, yeah, and which is great. I mean, the blood. I mean, it's all great, but, I mean, two all-time great promos out of that angle that I can't ignore. I just can't. So, um, and so Schiff, your 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 choice is not wise, but it's okay. It's all right. You're different, and you like serial killer promos, so you're good. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Arn Anderson Award for Breast Promo. I mean, hands down for me, it's uh, a Dusty and TA. Dr. G? Same. Scott? I'll go with y'all. Oh, my God. That that even has to be like a, I have to go with you? That should be like a slam dunk. I know. It is. It is. But, like, I know it's weird with me not going with, like, the best moment. But the best promo was, was Dusty and, and TA. All right. All right. Uh, the, <laughs> dust, the, the, the Dusty Broken Leg Award. The best angle? Uh, I'm sticking with the, this is tough. I'm sticking with the dusty baby doll, Scott. I'm going with flair. Okay. That's fair. Dr. G. Oof. <laughs> uh. Hardest choice we've ever had to make on this show. <laughs> All right. I, you know what? I'm going to have to go. Pure <laughs> angle. If you said flair, I get it. Yeah. Pure angle. I have to go with flair. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, the Jimmy Valiant Award for Worst Match, hands down, Wahoo versus the Beers. How about you two? Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't have that many, but, yeah, that, that was that was a hor- horrible match. All right. And then the Magnum Award, which is best match, clearly, I mean, match-wise, it was DiBiase versus Tenroot for me. I assume it was for you two as well, or no? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that match. But Ivan versus Cardinal is very good, but for a different reason. But from a pure match standpoint, I think Tenru one was good. Uh, the Wahoo Award uh, this month's uh, LVP. I mean, that's easy. Wahoo. <laughs> what about a, you two? Um, Scott. The Beers. Okay. Over over Wahoo. Yeah. Okay. And the Beers uh, is supposed to be younger. He should have been able to carry a little bit of that 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 shit whole match that we saw. Okay. And Doctor G. Uh, Scott, I agree with you. I'm going to go with the beers. All right. Now, this one's going to be tough. The Ric Flair MVP award for this month. I will go to you first, Dr. G. This one's tough, too. 
Oof. This is a tough one. I'll go to Scott first. Scott, uh, you're, you're usually more – you're usually throwing stuff out there out of the blue. Which Who would you pick? Three horsemen. Okay. Because not only they had all those promos that were great, but also they beat the hell out of the Midnight Express. Oh, oh, you mean uh, beating up the Rock and Roll Express. The Rock and Roll Express. My apologies. A lot yeah. of expresses going on. There is. <laughs> there, there's a lot of express. Uh, Dr. G? I'm gonna have, you know what? I'm gonna have to go with, uh, I'm gonna have to go with, the, with Dusty because of his promo. I, I just, I love that promo. It, he took me off guard with that, and I was. It, it, it's so hard. Like if I think about, I'm gonna go with Dusty too, and here's why. From the moment he entered that ring, and he did a freaking double clothesline to the Midnight Express out of nowhere, <laughs> the way he sold Baby Doll's injury and how devastated he was while he was leaning over her, to the freaking promo on like. I have to pick Dusty. There's just no. The, for me, the this promo is like put the cherry on top of the whole. Yeah, the, he, like the way he, the whole thing, just the way it played out, and it got me re-energized around Dusty Rhodes because I felt myself really lagging with him over the last few episodes, and it totally got me re-fired up for him. So I'm going with that. So, I mean, you can't lose in anything we watched tonight except maybe the Wahoo versus the Beers match. Everything else was pretty damn great. So, um, so that ends this episode. That ends April. So, guys, on our next episode, um, we're going to take a little bit of a transition break into May uh, before we get into May. So, one of the things we did when we had the great Peacock um, transition is we went back and we did before they were Crockett episodes. Where we went back and watched matches of Crockett wrestlers before they got into Crockett. So, it gave me an idea of how to bridge the gap between months where we could actually go back and watch some matches um, of some of the guys that we have now watched for, I mean, We've been doing this over two years now, even though we've only watched a year of Crockett. But go back and watch and then pick a year and we'll watch that year and see where some of these wrestlers are. So what I decided to do for the next episode, we are calling these episodes pre-Crockett match year spotlights. And we're going to watch six matches from the spotlight year that has Crockett wrestlers in it. So we are going to start with 1985. And the reason why I picked 1985 was we started Crockett. And so April 85 started our journey. But there's a lot of stuff that happened pre-April 85 that I thought we would watch. And what I found was there were some matches in there that really showed the journey to them resetting into Crockett. So I thought 1985 would be a good year to start with. Um, so we'll have six matches. So we have matches with Road Warriors, Ric Flair, um, Rock and Roll Express, um, Tully Blanchard. Um, you know, there's again, there's some really, really good stuff on our next episode. So again, six matches should be a pretty easy listen. Um, where we'll just talk about those matches and what our thoughts are. So before we go, uh, Dr. G, anything you would like to plug? Sure. Make sure to listen to the NWA Saturday special every Saturday morning here on the PTB Wrestling Network. It usually drops at 9 a.m. unless there's a, something happens and we have to uh, record a little later. But for the most part, that's when it drops. And we're covering the uh, current NWA, which is heating up as uh, – um, as we head towards uh, their pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. So um, make sure you listen. And uh, um, I do that show with the uh, podfather himself, uh, Scott Criscolo. And I could be reached at Dr. G PTB on Twitter. Sounds great. Schiff, how about you? 
Uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shifflet. Also, you can check me out here on the wrestling feed with PTB and YouTube roulette. Um, always a lot of fun. I almost made two people quit a podcast because of how bad the match I pit, picked last week uh, for the last episode. Uh, also, you can check me out. Check us out on Pop Goes to the Basement or, sorry, or the Couch, uh, whatever we are that week. But uh, we are going to be covering Obi, the Obi-Wan show, uh, The Boys, Maybe some Stranger Things, uh, Miss Marvel, Deshaun Chagrin, uh, and She-Hulk. It's going to be a busy, busy summer for us over there. All right. And then as for me, you can find me on Twitter at NWA Crock and Roll. Um, obviously, this podcast is the main podcast, but I do do um, some of the shows I don't you know, get on as much as I used to, but I do try to get on them when I can, Highway to the Impact Zone, um, which I would love to do. But um, And then also uh, YouTube Roulette. Um, is one of my favorite. Those two are my favorites to get um, to do. Um, I will tell you, and uh, I think we're going to talk more about it, but um, I am leaving Wrestling's Chicken Salad uh, podcast. Uh, I've been doing that for two years, but, you know, just time has kind of gotten away from me and I just don't have the time to do it anymore. Uh, but I am doing quick pod blast episodes where I travel a lot. So basically when I'm on the road, I watch wrestling. And basically I have a pod that's called Before, uh, when I, was a, uh, Before I Was a Mark. Which I know I have at least one listener because I know Scott listens to it. Uh, but basically, I pick three matches every episode that I watched that predated my actual wrestle fa- wrestling fandom. So it's anything like uh, pre nineteen eighty six or mid nineteen eighty six before I actually started watching wrestling as a kid. Um, and it's kind of like a history lesson where I go, we, you know, I kind of talk about where all the wrestlers were at at the time, you know, kind of a little bit of their history, and then talk about the match. So. Those are easy, quick listens. It's only three matches I talk about, and they're usually anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes top. So, uh, Schiff, you listen to it. How do you feel about that? Give me, any, give me a plug. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. Uh, it. It's a good, like, it's a quick listen. I, I um, listened to it while I was working. Uh, it's a nice little callback because uh, Sean has discovered he doesn't like Jerry Lawler matches, which he on the um, one of the previous episodes he talked about a Jerry Lawler versus Randy Savage match, and you know he. Just didn't enjoy it, which is kind of shocking because I've always heard good things about those matches. And I watched it back, and I I hate to say it, but I agreed with him. Yeah, so you know, so it's kind of cool to go back. Yeah, I'm not a, I, I, I do not like Jerry Lawler. I've not watched a good Jerry Lawler match, and your YouTube roulette pick did not help for that, by the way. Um, so <laughs> anyway, so guys, thank you for listening. It's great to be back and finally getting out of Crockett Cup and being recharged, and we're on our way to May. I'm really super excited to talk about some of the matches we're going to have on our next episode. Uh, because I think we picked some good ones to talk about. So with that, I am Sean Kidd. He is Dr. G, and this is he is Scott Shiflet. We will see you on episode number 44 of NWA Crock and Roll in a couple weeks. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.